I had a uh, I had a dream uh, earlier this week. I think it was on the weekend, if I remember correctly. I had a dream. I was sitting in the back seat of a car, and my my good friend Turner Turner Martini, shout out Turner, uh, was sitting in the front seat. I don't know who was driving. I think we were driving from like Gillette to somewhere, from Gillette to Sheridan. There was snow on the ground, and we were driving back from Gillette, going home somewhere. I don't really know, um, but I remember specifically I was sitting in the back seat for whatever reason, and um, Turner. In shotgun, pulls up his phone and says, oh my goodness, the MLB lockout has ended. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. That's an actual dream I had. And I thought it was real because I woke up and I looked at my phone to see if it was actually over. And I was disappointed to find out that it was indeed not over. Uh, the lockout is still in uh, in full swing. MLB doesn't look like it's coming back anytime soon. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report on February 15th, but uh, doesn't look like they're any closer to making a deal. The uh, MLB, the fish, the MLB, the MLB uh, tried to uh, put a lawyer in play to try to get uh, to try to mediate the two sides. And uh, the, the Players Association was having none of that. And uh, they thought what they were offering up was fair enough for both sides. And they didn't need a mediator to solve that issue. So still feels like we're a long ways away. Spring training is getting closer and closer. Like I said, pitchers and catchers are supposed to to report February 15th. That's only a few days away uh, from the time of recording. So that looks like that's not going to happen. Spring training is probably going to get cut in half. It looks like, which more than likely, that's probably a good thing for a lot of people that watch baseball and um, as well as uh, opening day is April 1st. And that looks like that is probably uh, that's probably in trouble. That's definitely in trouble. the, the, The more days that go by, obviously. So. You know, it was a great dream. Then I woke up to reality, and it uh, it was not as good of a moment. But we're gonna not we're not gonna talk too much about the lockout. That's probably all I'm gonna talk about the lockout. To be honest, like I said, there wasn't a lot of movement made on either side. I just thought that was interesting that I was dreaming about the MLB lockout ending and uh, me waking up realizing it wasn't true. It was a disappointing way to start a day on the weekend. We are going to talk about the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team. We're gonna get into the big game a little bit that's coming up on Sunday. And we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Cowboy football, actually. They made a, a pretty a pretty big signing, uh, recruitment signing, on uh, February 1st that was uh, pretty massive in terms of um, their history in recruiting, if that makes sense. And we're going to get into all that. But first, we will talk about the Wyoming Cowboy basketball team. They continue to have a stellar season. They had two games this past week. First, in a matchup with Mountain West impli- with big Mountain West uh, implications, the Cowboys were at home taking on the Boise State Broncos, who came into the matchup as the only team ahead of the Cowboys in the Mountain West standings, riding a 14-game win streak. The Pokes avenged their only conference loss of the season in that game with a 72-65 win over the Broncos, powered by Graham Ike's 33 points. Ike's, le- Ike's 33 led the way for both teams. He also added 10 rebounds in 39 minutes for his eighth double-double of the season. Hunter Maldonado also, acid, uh, also added uh, six, 16 points and seven assists in 37 minutes, while Jeremiah Odin pitched in 13 points in 35 minutes. The Pokes were able to shoot nearly 50% from the field on that night while holding Boise State to shooting 39%. They also won the rebound, uh, rebound battle for the sixth straight game, out-rebounding the Broncos by two. The Cowboys are all, the Cowboys also only recorded six turnovers, tying a season low. Um, after the great offensive showing the Pokes uh, for the Pokes against Boise State, the Cowboys hit the road, and it was the defensive effort that grinded them out a victory against Fresno State on Sunday, beating the Bulldogs sixty-one to fifty-nine. The Pokes held a dominant lead on the glass on the night, winning the rebound battle forty-six to twenty-eight. They were led in scoring by Hunter Maldonado, who had twenty-one points while also adding eight rebounds and six assists, six assists playing in all 40 minutes of the game as well. 
And uh, EK was pretty quiet against the Bulldogs, dropping 14 points and eight rebounds, applying just 25 minutes in the game. If you haven't been paying attention to Cowboy basketball yet this season, then now now is the time to start. The win against the Bulldogs moves the Pokes up to 19-3 and overall and 8-1 and in the conference, giving them their best start in conference play since the 2001-2002 season. Uh, this week's AP men's basketball poll dropped on Monday, and the Cowboys just missed making the top 25, uh, receiving 82 votes, just 9 votes behind 25th-ranked, what would be 25th-ranked uh, Xavier. If the Cowboys do get ranked in the top 25 in the coming weeks, it would be the first time ranked that high since the 2014-2015 season and the only in only the second time in the past 25 years for the Cowboy basketball program to jump a little bit more into the numbers for the Cowboys basketball team if you look at the Ken, the Ken Palm rankings which is if you don't know what that is it's uh, one of the favored rankings for college basketball when it comes to advanced analytics um it's not the be all end all that everybody uses but uh I like to use this one um and it's one of it's one of my personal favorites that I use when I'm looking at college basketball teams, especially when it comes closer to closer and closer to to, uh, to tournament time. So, according to the Ken Palm rankings, the Cowboys currently have the 36th best adjusted efficiency margin in college basketball at plus 15.73 as of Monday. Uh, they have a top 20 offense in the country when it comes to adjusted offensive efficiency, coming in ranked at 108. Or excuse me, coming in ranked at 18th and uh, scoring 114.5 points per 100 possessions. According to Ken Palm, ahead of team, they are ahead of teams like UConn, UCLA, Michigan State, Texas, and Texas Tech when it comes to those offensive rankings. Uh, they do slip up a little bit in the rankings and adjusted defensive efficiency, ranking 91st, giving up 98.7 points per 100 possessions. Interest, interesting, interestingly enough, though, uh, they also come in as one of the slowest teams in the country in terms of adjusted tempo, averaging just 66.6 possessions per 40 minutes, which ranks 241st in the entire country in, in uh, college basketball. A slow tempo, it can kind of be good or bad, depending on which side of the scoreboard you're on. A slow tempo like the Cowboys is very good for holding on to leads. It helps control the tempo of the game, and it limits the number of possessions you give back to the opposing offense if you're, uh, if you're ahead. However, if you flip that, if you're the team playing from behind, and you have a slow tempo, it can be difficult to make a comeback when you're playing with fewer possessions. It makes every possession more and more important depending on how far you are, how far behind you actually are. And uh, the Pokes have gone a little against the grain when it comes to their tempo and offense. Usually slow tempo teams like the Pokes tend to lean on their defense more to create as many possessions for their offense as they can. Think like think teams like Virginia, they, they have a pretty slow tempo when it comes to that sort of stuff and they lean heavily on their defense, um, which could, and that could become tr a troubling recipe uh, come tournament time because they're going to have to make, going to have to make every possession count on offense in order to, uh, to win, to win their games. They want to stay ahead. They do not want to fall behind. The Cowboys do not want to fall behind when it comes to playing in basketball because of, um, because of their slow tempo. Um, but only time will tell uh, the heights that this team can reach. And um, they're definitely one of the favorites to, win the Mountain West, obviously, and uh, one of the favorites to make an at-large bid in the upcoming uh, NCAA tournament come March. Uh, coming up this weekend, though, for the Cowboys, they'll have two uh, two matchups with one at home and one on the road. First, they will take on Utah State at home Tuesday night with first dip schedule for 7 p.m., and then they will get a few days off and hit the road to take on the San Jose, San Jose State Spartans on Saturday with first tip scheduled for 7 p.m. as well. You can listen to those games and all the Cowboy basketball games on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO. Please start paying attention to Cowboy basketball. They're off to a crazy start 
I'm telling you, they're 19 and three. If they're not on TV, listen to them on the radio. We have every single game for you on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWIO. And they are a fun team to watch, a fun team to listen to. EK and Maldonado are arguably the best one-two punch in the Mountain West and one of the best one-two punches in the country when it comes to scoring. And um, they can just just about outrun everybody when it comes to uh, when it comes to their offense. So make sure you're paying attention to Cowboy basketball. They have been an incredible team this year and a great story for uh, UW Athletics and uh, just the program all in all, to be honest with you. They haven't had a tournament team since, I think, um, I guess a solid tournament team since that 2014-2015 season back when they had Larry Nance. So just look at, it's looking more and more like the year they return to the um, NCAA basketball tournament in March. Uh, the Cowgirls, um, Wyoming Cowgirl basketball team is off, is coming off a two-game week as well. First, they hit the road to take on Air Force and what would be a very low-scoring affair that the Cowgirls would lose 47-45. to McKinley Bradshaw led the way for the Cowgirls on that one, scoring 14 points. Quinn Weideman was right behind her, scoring 11 points. And Allison Fertig finished with 7 points and a career-high 13 rebounds in the loss. The Cowgirls shot just 39% from the floor, while Air Force shot just 40% from the floor in uh, Air Force's victory. Uh, the Cowgirls got the chance to respond a couple days later and when they traveled to the pit to take on the New Mexico Lobos and respond. They did with the Cowgirls upsetting the conference-leading Lobos 62-59 off a buzzer beater from Tommy Olsen. The buzzer beater from Olsen was her first bucket of the game and was the cherry on top of a 13-point fourth-quarter fourth quarter comeback. Um, Allison Fertig had an absolute monster game for the Cowgirls on that one nearly getting a 20-20 double-double, dropping 19 points on 8 of 15 shooting while grabbing a career-high 18 rebounds as well. McKinley Bradshaw added another 16 points while shooting 7 of 14 from the floor in the win, and the difference maker in this game for the Cowgirls was their advantage inside, outscoring New Mexico 40-22 to in the paint while winning the rebounding battle 43-24. to The Cowgirls will have three games this week. First, they will come back home on Wednesday to take on San Jose State with first tip scheduled for 6.30 p.m., and then they will hit the road and take on the Fresno State Bulldogs on Saturday with first tip scheduled for 3 p.m. And then the Cowgirls will stay on the road and take on San Jose State again on Monday with a tip time, with a tip time that is yet to be determined. Uh, but you'll be able to hear it nonetheless in all those games and all the remaining Cowgirls basketball games on Smart Talk 106.3 FM. We have a quick Cowboy football update for you as well, getting into the recruiting the recruitment recruiting season for the 2022 season has has a has no more or less has basically more or less come to a close and the pokes came away with their second high with the with their second highest ranked class in the past 10 years coming in with a 99 national rank and the eighth ranked class in the mountain west according to 24/7 sports more importantly though the pokes signed their highest ranked recruit since they started keeping track back in 2000 the cowboys will welcome in Deshaun Woods a four star Interior offensive lineman from Omaha, Nebraska, to headline the 2022 class for Wyoming. Woods originally committed to Missouri in the summer of 2021, then flipped his commitment over to the Cowboys on February 1st. His 0.9143 composite score from 24-7 Sports jumps the former highest recruited player in Cowboy history, guard John Hawk, who uh, signed with the, cla- uh, with the class of 2002 and had a composite score of 0.90 when he signed. Woods headlines the 2022 class for the Cowboys as the lone four-star that was signed with them, but they welcome in a bunch of three-stars uh, and a couple of two-stars as well. Wide receiver Caleb Merritt from St. Louis, Missouri is the second-ranked prospect in the class. Caden Becker, a quarterback from Omaha, Nebraska as well, 
comes in ranked third in the class. Wesley King, a defensive lineman from Appleton, Wisconsin, comes in ranked fourth in the class. And Rex Johnson, another interior offensive lineman from Logan, Iowa, rounds out the top five prospects in the upcoming 2022 recruiting class for the Pokes that saw 18 recruits sign with the class. And there's still, you know, a little bit of shuffling that'll go around. We'll probably see a couple more, maybe maybe one or two recruits come in that'll, that'll sign in um, later in this, maybe during the summer or something like that. But uh, for the most part, the, uh, the the bulk of those signings has come to a close and they are looking more towards the 2023 recruiting season. Now, we are now just days away, moving on to um, professional football, the big game. We are just days away from the biggest day of the year in American sports, the big game on Sunday, February, February 13th between the Los Angeles Rams and Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals will be looking to win their first championship in franchise history on their third trip to the big game. And this will be the Rams' fifth appearance in the big game. Um, fifth appearance in the big game, winning just once before back in 2000 when they were the uh, St. Louis Rams. Both teams come to this matchup as the four seeds in their respective conferences. The Bengals beat the one seed, the two seed, and the five seed in their march to the big game, while the Rams beat the two seed, the five seed, and the six seed on their way to the game. The game will pre- this game will predicate on whether or not the Bengals' offensive line will be able to handle and hold up against the Rams' fantastic front four. Aaron Donald and Von Miller for the Rams, looking strictly from a matchup standpoint, should feast in this game. Uh, the, the Cincy offensive uh, offensive line comes into this matchup as the eighth worst graded pass blocking team group uh, this season, and uh, the Rams come in as the best graded defense rushing the passer with two of the top five graded pass rushers in the league in Aaron Donald and Von Miller, according to Pro Football Focus. The Bengals have suffered from their offensive line play already this postseason with the Titans sacking Joe Burrow nine times in their divisional round matchup. Uh, The Bengals still found a way to pull out a victory in that matchup, which was incredible in itself, but they almost certainly won't get away with that a second time. It felt like lightning in a bottle, um, especially against a team that is as potent on offense as the Rams are, which is a perfect segue to talk about those two offenses. Both offenses have, uh, have been led by stellar quarterback play. But I will say this, and it might get people upset, get ready to get angry. Joe Burrow has been the better quarterback this year. It's close, but Burrow has been more efficient and has kept the ball away from opposing defenses. Burrow comes in having thrown 38 touchdowns and 16 interceptions while hitting 38 big-time throws and just 17 turnover-worthy plays. He has an adjusted completion percentage of 79.8, almost 80%, and that's also while being sacked more than any other quarterback in the league this season. Stafford has been stellar as well. Do not get me wrong. He has been incredible. He's thrown 37 touchdowns, nine more than Burrow. However, he's also gotten very lucky. He's thrown 18 interceptions while having 28 turnover worthy plays on the season. He's minimized it more in the postseason, uh, but he's definitely had some issues with it when it comes to ill-advised passes and um, bad passes downfield, especially with the deep ball. Um, You'd probably be surprised at how similar these two quarterbacks are. Burrow holds the advantage on his feet, being able to escape out of the pocket and make plays on his on his uh, on his legs better than Stafford can. But Stafford isn't necessarily a slouch either. He can get that first down with his legs if he needs to. Uh, they both have a one twelve passer rating when kept clean in the pocket. However, Burrow does have a little better. It, it does sway a little bit more towards Burrow um, when he's uh, when he's pressured, coming in with an eighty nine point six rating, while Stafford comes in with an 80.1 rating and those pressure ratings could also be huge in this game. They could be one of the key, one of the keys to this game. Uh, Staffers has been nearly perfect 
when kept clean in the pocket this season, especially in, and in the postseason. But when he is pressured, he has definitely struggled, especially during this postseason. When under pressure, he does have two touchdowns in the postseason, but with, but with that, a 50% completion percentage on 31 dropbacks and 24 pass attempts with two turnover-worthy plays, and 16% of those pressures turned into sacks as well. You don't want to blitz him. Um, you don't want to blitz him, though, because he will shred you. Uh, throwing for nearly 11 yards per attempt when blitz with two touchdowns, two big-time throws, and zero turnover-worthy plays. Um, the Bagels defense will want to look similar to what they looked like in that second half against the Chiefs if they if they want to win this game. Rush four and kind of drop seven and hope that you know, your defensive line can get to the quarterback without having to blitz anybody. Um, Burrow has been a little more consistent under pressure this postseason. He's been pressured on 45 dropbacks this postseason. Uh, completing a little over 50% of his passes and 31 attempts while throwing one touchdown, zero interceptions, and one turnover-worthy play. He is getting sacked more in these situations, nearly 26% of the time, but uh, his nearly 80% adjusting completion percentage gives him a slight edge under pressure. Stafford has better numbers when blitzed overall, but Burrow has been pretty good, completing 85% of his passes on 20 attempts with an adjusting completion percentage of almost 90%. However, he has thrown zero touchdowns and one pick and uh, just one big time throw. I give Burrow the slightest of edges, a very tiny edge, like a, a very small needle that you'd prick into somebody's arm. That's a, what is that comparison? You know what I mean? A very a hair's length of an edge, um, mainly because of Stafford's tendency to, to throw the ill-advised past. But again, it will heavily rely on that Bengal offensive line if they can hold up over the course of the game against guys like Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller. Some other fun matchups to watch in this game, Jamar Chase against the best corner in the league in Jalen Ramsey. Chase has had an unbelievable rookie season and is likely a shoe-in for the Offensive Rookie of the Year award, but he hasn't played a corner like Ramsey yet, who is the highest-graded cornerback in the league this season, according to PFF. He comes in having allowed just 67 receptions on 108 targets for 713 yards and just four touchdowns. He was tied for the most forced incompletions this year with 19 and was tied for the second most pass breakups with 14 as well, uh, while also grabbing four interceptions of his own too. Um, however, I, th- I do think something uh, that will help the Bengals in this situation will be their depth at wide receiver. They arguably are the deepest team at that position in the league with two 1,000-yard receivers in Chase and T. Higgins, while also having another wide receiver with almost 900 yards in Tyler Boyd. And not to mention all three of those guys, as well as tight end C.J. Uzama, um, had uh, had five plus receiving touchdowns so far this season. CJ, Uz- the tight end CJ Uzama is questionable to play in this game. Um, but if he does play, that only increases their depth as well. Um, and running back Joe Mixon was also solid out of the backfield, receiving the ball, um, uh, receiving the ball with fifty five receptions for four hundred and twenty yards and three touchdowns of his own as well. After Ramsey, though, the Rams' individual pass defenders takes a pretty steep de- uh, drop off. The next highest graded cornerback being their slot cornerback, David Long Jr., who got a 60.1 grade from PFF this season, which could be a good recipe for either Higgins or Boyd to have a big game if Ramsey is going to shadow Chase all game long in man-to-man coverage. Prop bettler, you know, you maybe put some money down on Higgins or Boyd to win Super Bowl MVP if the Bengals win. You know, you never know. Uh, the Rams receivers aren't as potent across the board as the Bengals, but they do have the best individual wide receiver in Cooper Cup. If you don't know what Cup has been doing this season, then where have you been? What rock have you been sleeping under? The guy has had one of the best receiving seasons in NFL history, winning the Triple Crown for most receptions, yards, and touchdowns. He comes into this matchup with 2,333 yards through the air 
and 20 touchdowns on 170 receptions. The dude has been an absolute blur on offense. Uh, but after that, the Rams receivers haven't really blown anyone out of the water. The receiver with the, the second most receptions on the team after Cup has a has a hundred less than him, um, and that would be tight end Tyler Higby, who had seventy on the season. It's also worth noting that Higby is questionable to play in this game as well. Um, Van Jefferson is second in terms of yards and tied for second in touchdowns for receivers with eight hundred and eighty-one yards, nearly fifteen hundred yards less than Cup and six touchdowns. Now adding Odell Beckham Jr. halfway through the season uh, has given them some much-needed depth and gives Stafford a second weapon outside to hit if Cup isn't covered, which feels like never. But I still think the Bengals top to bottom have the deeper receiving core. But it is, especially since they added Odell Beckham, it does feel um, closer than it was before. Uh, The last thing I will mention about this game is the Bengals' defense. They don't have anything that really stands out too much other than their defensive line which has been pretty solid this season at getting after the quarterback without the need for a blitz. They sacked Patrick Mahomes five times and really changed the, the complexion of that game with their ability to get after the quarterback while just using four four uh, four pass rushers. They don't have a, a lot of huge names on the back end. Of course, you know, Logan Wilson, Wyoming native, of course, we're rooting for him, um, but they don't have a lot of huge names on the back end of that secondary, but they have been very opportunistic Having the best, having having uh, forced the most turnovers this postseason with six interceptions and one fumble recovery, a perfect combination against a guy like Stafford who has been turnover happy this season. All in all, I'm just hoping for a good game at this point. We deserve one after the blowout we got last season. The highlight of that game last year was the weekend's halftime performance. I can't believe they decided to play a football game in the middle of the weekend's performance. Can't believe they did that. Um, I'm thinking I'm leaning the Rams for this year's matchup. I think the mismatch in the trenches will probably be too much for the Bengals to overcome this game. I think Von Miller gets a few sacks. Stafford does throw a pick, but uh, other than that, he limits the turnovers to lead the Rams to their second championship by a score of 31 to 21. I do also want to put, I'll say this. I think I'm going to put money down on um, Von Miller for MVP. I think Aaron Donald will be the focus of that defensive line, not getting pressure up the middle. And uh, the right tackle for the Bengals has considerably been um, been worse. Uh, one of the one of the the lacking performers on that offensive line for the Bengals this season. And uh, I think Von Miller should be able to walk away with a pretty solid game if all goes well. And if they do focus on Aaron Donald, like I think they will in the interior then I think Von Miller has a chance to really explode on the outside and get a few sacks and maybe come away with another, uh, well, set it, another big game MVP. Um, but that's it. That's going to wrap up this week's weekend sports wrap podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Um, I hope you all have a great big game weekend. You know, don't drink and drive, stay safe and make sure to call your state representative to tell them that you want the big game to become a national holiday because I totally agree. I can't believe it's not. It kind of feels like one already, but it's not officially. What are we doing? You know what I mean? Um, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you all for tuning in. Get your bets placed. Go look at the bets. There's tons of novelty preps, coin flips, all that jazz. How long the, the national anthem is going to last. There's tons of novelty bets that are tons of fun to, to put money down on. Um, so make sure you check that out as well. And uh, it's the best time of year, man. It's the best, ga- it's best game of the year. Nothing like it. The biggest day in American sports. And we're getting it this weekend. Coming up on Sunday. So make sure you tune in, have fun, don't drink and drive, all that jazz. I've been your host, James Timberlake, and I will see you all next week with a recap of that big game and more. Thank you all for tuning in.